Hello, welcome to Cherry Beckard's GovCom podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a managing director with Cherry Beckard, and with me today is Brendan Holleran, a senior manager in Cherry Beckard's government contract industry services group. And you know, today we're going to be continuing our discussion and podcast series on contractor business systems. Um, and today we're going to be taking a little bit of a have a deeper discussion on a contractor property management system. Um, Brendan, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Glad to be here. So, you know, to start off, the property management system, um, you know, it's a little bit different of a system than what we've talked about historically with the accounting and estimating and purchasing, where it is really more procurement and contract based. Uh, and there's it's a little bit of a different type of system just from the standpoint of when it's required. You know, to start us off, Brendan, can you just outline what are the requirements for a or when would a property management system be required versus maybe uh, one of the other uh, business systems? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point, Eric. And, you know, as with, you know, the other um, contractor business systems, there's typically, you know, a um, you know particular type of contract or, you know, perhaps a, you know, dollar threshold um, or trigger um, for applicability of the uh, business system. And with government property, it really is viewed at, you know, at any time, you know, that, you know, a contract um, will have government furnished property um, or, you know, if a contractor will be acquiring, um, you know, property uh, for the government. So that could be, you know, even in a uh, manufacturing environment when it's classifi classified as such. And, you know, so that really um, opens, you know, contractors up at a, you know, potentially fairly small contract dollar value, um, you know, where you could have um, government property administration requirements. So um, I think that's probably the, the main difference is that, you know, if a single, you know, piece of tooling or um, test equipment or, um, you know, something to that effect is needed, um, you know, even a, you know, relatively, you know, smaller uh, contract or contract or, um, you know, may see um, where they have some requirements that they need to meet, um, you know, to properly um, manage that. Yeah, that's a, you know, you, you hit something there where I feel like the property system, um, that and the accounting system are the two systems that kind of can impact the small company, also the large company. You know, the, the small mom and pop government contractor with a single, you know, maybe a single contract at a ship repair yard um, to the massive shipbuilders of the world. A whole, it, it, and it's all based off of if property is part of the contract. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, um, you know, definitely, obviously, you know, certain types of, um, you know, contractors are more likely to have, you know, fairly significant um, requirements associated with it, um, just because there are, you know, requirements associated with, you know, inventory record keeping, and we'll talk more about some of those too. Um, but certainly, you know, for, um, you know, for contractors of all sizes, I mean, it certainly, you know, can be a, um, you know, a little bit of a um, resource impact to um, to deal with it. I think one of the areas or sometimes this this system can sneak up on contractors, especially um, professional services and more labor intensive government contractors or focused government contractors, because, you know, they're typically billing at a labor hour basis. 
and you know they might be performing something out of the pool out in the field and all of a sudden they're getting a toolkit from the government to perform those services and this this clause slips through the uh, slips into the contract gfe is called out there or the toolkits called out and all of a sudden these small little toolkits that the professional might take out into the field well it's gfe and now you have to track it and figure it out and how to identify it and tag it and log it and have a process for it and so it can kind of slip through the cracks yeah yeah no that's a good point of you know how it can you know kind of impact you know what you wouldn't think would be traditionally um you know handling or having a requirement for government property but you know you know 45107 you know is pretty clear cost reimbursement and time and material type um solicitations and contracts um and labor hour um uh, solicitations when you know when property is expected to be furnished and that could be anything as you said it could be relatively small um small you know material or um property that's needed to um to actually perform on the contract so it's um yeah it can be a little bit of a you know i won't say sneaky one but um but one that you're you know one that they may not be you know um really looking for um you know when you're doing the scrub of clauses so yeah i think that's a great point um Uh, to make sure that you're you know aware of it doesn't necessarily have to be a humvee or some big big truck or something like that um and it's and this is one of the clauses too um where the dfars business system clause just references back to the far so it's pretty much like hey the FAR already hit this pretty well it already outlines the requirements of when you know to notify the government how you handle government furnished versus contractor required, how you dispose, how you track. The DFAR is kind of like, we don't really need to address anything else other than what a significant deficiency is and that there would be withholds and the kind of the timeline, but go back to the FAR. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's, you know, the only, you know, review that really points and relies so heavily just on, you know, the, um, you know, on the, the FAR requirements. Um, and as you said, you know, yeah, the DFARS doesn't really add much in terms of criteria other than the ability to to apply <clears throat> contractor, you know, business system uh, clauses. And as you said, withhold. So um, it's definitely fairly, fairly standard and, you know, um, you know, a, a function that the government is very much interested in, um, you know, understanding. So if a, you know, I. I for a company who has the contractor property management system clause in their contract and they have GFE, you know, some of the tips that we and best practices that we talk about for all the business systems apply here as well of first is your process for handling government property uh, documented and do you have a manual? And then it's the same you know, we hit the same thing of have you read your contract and have you include do you know what your gfe is can you timely disclose do you have a method to track and um and, and document and tag that government property is it recorded is it accurate periodic assessments and such um any other just general tips that you can that you can think of off the top of your head when it comes to some of our clients and companies that we talk to with government property systems yeah, no, I, I think you covered a lot. And, you know, I think every time we've talked about a business system, you know, the kind of policy procedure, you know, any kind of documentation about standards that you're going to follow is is always key. Um, but just in general terms, you know, if you're in an environment where you will um, have any subcontracts, 
uh, potentially performing and you certainly you know want to understand if there's you know flow down requirements um, related to it if they may um, have any um, you know any government property or acquiring some um, you know certainly um, as you mentioned self-assessments um, you know in doing those and, and providing results uh, you know to the government of those and certainly you know evaluating how you're um, how you're working um, you know those issues and you know I mean there's I think a whole host of things that it could trigger in terms of you know what is a good um, cadence or schedule for um, looking at inventories <clears throat> um, you know understanding how um, how that material and property is moving you know around your facilities or you know just around your tracking systems mm -hmm. so just uh you know a few things there that i think are you know certainly pretty standard with um with any systems but certainly you know there's um, a little bit more hands-on um, you know, per se for, you know, for the government <laughs> property. Um, well, what do you think are some of the common pitfalls that we most uh, most commonly see with contractors when we're evaluating this or when the government comes in? Yeah, so I think, you know, some of the ones that are, you know, pretty common are, you know, a contractor gets off to a good start with, you know, understanding at the onset, you know, we're receiving government property, they've got good logs or documentation for when that came on, uh, you know, when they first received it or acquired it. And then, you know, as things, you know, go through the, the time of contract performance, it may move or um, it may get transferred somewhere else and, you know, may not be in use for a particular stage of, you know, contract performance. And that's where, it, you know, it starts to kind of fall off the radar screen um, of their system and tracking so that if a, you know, government property administrator were to come and, you know, look at an inventory, what should you have? You may not know exactly where that is. And that's certainly mm -hmm. um, an issue. Um, you know, so that's that's an easy one that I think we've seen, you know, happen quite a bit. They get off with, um, you know, to a good start and lack processes to ensure. And that could be because they're lacking labeling so that, you know, anyone who facility staff who might be moving something, you know, clearly know that they have to report that or track it a certain way. Um, those are um, definitely some <laughs> some big areas. And then the other um, one that certainly when you get to kind of winding down a you know contract is you know understanding is there excess property and you know really planning for it um, so that's uh, an issue because that can be a hold up on um, in many regards um, you know for for managing that property yeah those are two very good ones um some other ones that i've seen uh commingling um, especially if you have like property commingling a government property and how do you tell the government property from the non yes you have the tagging but especially if you have to go through a process of acquiring new government property and get that approved by the government and then how do you then break up the sides um you know and then um just to to your point of the disposal i think is one that you already hit on but that is a, a big one there um yeah so you know it's I think that again, this is you had mentioned before, but it's typically a one that the contractors do start off strong and the records are there and um, you track it. And typically we've we see that sometimes manuals might 
miss one or two of the steps that you need to have when it comes to the, the clause itself. Um, and a lot of those common uh, business system uh, requirements flow through here of proper flow downs, self-assessments, uh, periodic inventories is very common in performing that yeah. and documenting that you performed your inventory um, and documenting if there was a loss or damaged and what you did and how to remediate. Um, so some of those same documentation, you know, the common theme among all the systems of documentation and manuals is true here as well. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I think you touched on a number of good things there. You know, having you know the process in place to be doing things on a you know on a periodic and timely basis really does allow you to um, to not be caught with an issue of you know where you can't um, locate something if quantities are off um you know or something is damaged um so you know being aware of that in a timely manner and being able to disclose that to the government certainly gives you better a better mm -hmm. position on if you know you wait um or not or are not aware of it and a government property administrator um kind of puts you on the spot and you know identifies that so certainly you know having that that ongoing work associated with it is um you know is definitely critical one of the um, <clears throat> other things too, and you know, I know we touched a little bit just on, you know, disposal is that, and kind of jumping um, on top of what something you had said, is that you know, in terms of you know having you know plan for disposal, coordinating with the government, um, you know, for instances where that may be the case, is that you know you may be um, you know contractor may be working um, a very good and and current plan to to be doing that and um, with good intentions and, and even good processes and you know you really do need to follow through because um you know there are i think we've seen instances where you know something um you know the government approved uh disposal of it you know perhaps for scrap purposes and you know and then you know it was to someone who should you know to a you know um supplier or vendor that should be um capable of doing that and then it doesn't get scrapped and it ends up um as a um an actual unit for sale somewhere yeah <laughs> so that's true you know there's yeah. there's things that you know can pop up you know when you when a contractor believes they've done their part and they largely have and then they can be put in a position where you know they may be working with someone who's not kind of following through on on their um their portion of whatever that agreement or or contract was to dispose of it. So the follow through there is is actually quite important as well. And um, it, in that also in the system, the property management system also impacts MMAS, the accounting system and the purchasing system. Those are the three, you know, right off the bat that um, where, um, you know, movement, pricing, costing of those goods, replacement of those goods, uh, sourcing of those goods, um, all flow together. So, you know, if this is sometimes, you know, we see property management systems maybe leading to looking under the hood of the other systems as as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, that's a um, yeah, a, a good point to bring up because you know we're kind of talking about property 
property system on its own, <clears throat> but you know, frequently, you know, where a contractor has, you know, a need for that, um, you know, they may also have, you know, material management and accounting system requirement as well. And that's just an integral part of that. So an issue with one or the other could certainly um, drive a, a big, um, you know, a big issue um, either way. So um, very important to uh, to really know how those things work together. Well, with that, we're, we're about out of time for today's um, podcast on the property management system. So Brendan, want to just say thank you for joining me and walking through some of the common pitfalls and things that we see when working with companies and property management systems. Um, thank you and everyone listening. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Brendan at, or I. Um, and please join us for our next podcast on contractor business systems and follow us um, and make sure to download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at Spotify, iTunes or whatever. And we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks.